Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Dr. Deo Hatfield. It's so great to be diving into the Word with you again this morning as part of our series entitled Peaks and Valleys, A Journey Through the Psalms. And today we're going to be journeying through Psalm 86. And as we journey through there, we're going to be looking at a message entitled How to Wrestle, How to Wrestle. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever watched WWE, uh, the World Wrestling Federation on television. I remember watching it when I was younger, and you just couldn't believe the drama and the hype um, that went around these wrestling bouts. It was a bunch of guys and girls in weird outfits with the craziest personas and face paint on, and, and they were talking smack to each other before the beat down begins, and then fighting in the most spectacular ways with one another. Now, it's been years since I've watched something like this, so I YouTube the latest WWE video on their channel, a top 10 of sorts, and while it's nothing I would regularly watch, I'm not going to lie to you, it was entertaining, hilarious, and disturbing all at the same time, and I found myself smiling like crazy at what was going on. Now, if you're a fan or you used to be a fan, drop me a thumbs up or name your favorite wrestler in the chat below um, as we carry on through the sermon. But let me tell you this. It's one thing to be watching a wrestling match, and it's an entirely different thing to be in one of your own, to be in one of your own. As we pick up on this morning's psalm, we see David coming before God and he's surrounded by his enemies and he decides to pen this psalm and it serves as a guide to us when we find ourselves in times of uncertainty, of uncertainty. Let's face it, as I preached to you this morning, many of us find ourselves under restrictions and lockdowns and and our world has been changed by COVID-19 And we've got no idea what 2021 will bring. In fact, I've seen so many memes of someone scarily prodding at a door with a 2021 label on it, scared of what might come through it in the new year. And and I don't know about you, but maybe mutant murder beavers from outer space. Um, But here we find David in a similar predicament not knowing what the outcome will be as his foes surround him. And in the midst of the fight, he decides to posture himself in the following three ways. He starts, firstly, by reminding himself of who God is. So I wonder if you can crack open your Bibles. Turn to Psalm 86 as we read verse 1 to verse 7 together. And it says, Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cries for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. For you will answer me. 
He starts with listen, or in other translations, it says, hear me, O Lord, and, and answer me. Now, have any of you ever found yourselves there where you're just like, God, I need you to hear me now. Things are scary and desperate, and, and I need you to come into my situation and do something here now. It's, it's one of those Jesus take the wheel moments. All of us, David included, have a choice in times of uncertainty. And David sits alone and defenseless. And the choice he makes in this moment is to start listing who his God is. Now, if we take a look at just some of the highlights in that piece of scripture we just read, the things I see are God is our protector. God is our savior. God is gracious to us. God is the restorer of our joy in times of trial. God is kind. God is ready to forgive. God is abounding in faithful love. God hears our cries for mercy. And God answers us when we cry out to him in our distress. I find this whole passage a little bit funny because it feels like what David's doing is he's reminding God of who God says he is. And we see this over and over again in the scriptures where God's people remind him of who he is and what he said he will do. And, and I think often it's not just for the sake of reminding God, but it's his people, his forgetful, wayward people coming before him and saying, this is who you say you are. And I need to remind myself of who you are when I start believing something about you that is not true God. No matter how many times God has come through for us, we still doubt. We still find ourselves in spaces where we think, God, this time, this time, you're not coming through. And maybe it's because we messed up last week or we sinned or we, we haven't been praying enough or the enemy finds us in those uncertain times and he convinces us that God is not who he says he is. And this is the wrestle that we do here. This is the wrestling match, this first bit of wrestling we do in Psalm 86. It's the wrestling to remember who our God is when things get tough or when things get uncertain. My question is, will we allow the so-called realities of our uncertain future, our emotions and what we don't know to overwhelm us? Or are we going to take stock and say, who my God is means that I can face anything that 2021 brings head on because I can trust in his faithfulness, in his goodness, in his heart for me. And more than that, I can walk into this new year with joy and with peace, not with fear. The second thing that we see David doing is he postures himself in worship. He postures himself in worship. And this is where we wrestle, but with our hearts. We wrestle with our hearts. We're good with Jesus taking the wheel, but a little way into the journey, maybe, maybe we think we could do better. Maybe we're wrestling for that wheel and trying to wrestle it away from him and basically saying, Jesus, um, I, yeah, no, you're doing great, but would you get in the back seat and let me drive? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. But really, my heart is so often a divided one. 
But when I read this next piece of Psalm 86, I realize it's not just me. It's not just my divided heart because David had the same thing. He writes the following in Psalm 86, and we're reading the next part, verse 8 to verse 13. And he writes, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and they will honor your name. For you are great and you perform wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. And most translations use the term undivided heart. I will praise you with all of my heart, Lord my God, and I will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. You see, David moves in the first section of the psalm from recognizing who God is, and then he moves directly into a worship space. And and really, how can you not, when you start to reflect on who God is, when you start to reflect on just how magnificent, how incredible our Creator is, how can you not move into a space of worship? But as David sits in that worshipful space and he pours his heart out before God, immediately you see that he recognizes something. And he says here, give me an undivided heart. Why? Because all it takes is to be in the presence of God for a few moments to recognize that we have divided hearts. I want God to be in control, but I also want Taiki to be in control. You see, David says, teach me your ways, Lord, and I will live by your truth, not my truth, but God's truth. And and I always picture those movie scenes where you see two people struggling at the wheel of a car, and eventually this car ends up having a giant accident as a result. And, and, And really, my question to you this morning is, in which areas are you trying to wrestle away control from God? And where is he calling you to simply let go and let him lead? Tim Keller writes the following when it comes to the heart. And he writes, For those in biblical times, the great human struggle was between the mind, which they believed was resident in the soul, and the passions, which they believed were resident in the body. If you wanted to achieve strength, courage, self-control, and wisdom, you learned to sublimate the emotions to the dictates of reason. In other words, you try to suppress what you were feeling emotionally and let your mind take control. He carries on and he says, for modern people, the great struggle is almost the reverse. We believe our deepest feelings are who we really are, and we must not repress or deny any of them. The great human struggle is between the emotions and a repressive society that so often stands in the way of self-expression and realization. The Bible teaches neither of the above. It says the human struggle happens within a single entity, the human heart. The main human struggle is not between the heart and something else, but between forces that tear it in different directions. The great battle is deciding to what your heart's greatest love, hope, and trust will be directed. It's incredible. 
he carries on and he writes further and he says that there are so many ways for our hearts to be divided. And, and really he identifies just three to start with. He says, firstly, we could find ourselves with an insincere heart, one in which we profess one thing out loud and there's a whole different thing going on here inside our hearts. Are we the same person here as we are at home? Do we let Jesus take the wheel for an hour on Sunday, but not on Monday? Secondly, he says we could have an irresolute heart, one which cannot fully commit itself. James 1 verse 6 to 8 says that those who doubt are like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed about. So maybe it's convenient for us to have one half of our heart belonging to Jesus, but the other half belongs to someone or or something else. I remember my wedding day well. Maya looking so beautiful and seeing her come down the aisle was just incredible. But can you imagine what it would have been like if she got to the front and and her and I were standing next to each other and I take her hand and suddenly another guy steps out of the wings and takes her other hand and, and what we end up is making a promise, her to me and her to this other guy. I would never ever have committed in a case like that. I I would have been devastated by what was happening. Why? Because I want all of her and I want her to have all of me. I wanted to know that she commits fully to me and vice versa. A heart cannot be divided in this way. So again, let me ask you, what is keeping you from committing fully to God? Is it doubts, disappointment, fear, addiction? And what would it look like to say that the divided heart stops here? Lastly, um, what Tim Keller says is maybe our hearts are just rebellious. We've been in control of our lives and decisions so long that the thoughts of surrendering that control is just too much for us to bear. And whatever the reason for our divided hearts, the solution remains the same. We change when we change what we worship. We change when we change what we worship. A divided heart means divided worship. Whether we worship control or pride or self or someone or something else, our divided heart will never be fixed by resolutions or or by clever thinking. David realizes this and he fixes his eyes firmly on God and so should we. As we focus on him, as we worship him, as we fall ever more in love with who he is, our focus shifts off of the things that cause our heart to wander and onto the only one that is worthy of our worship. Finally, in the last part of the psalm, David wrestles with the truth. He wrestles with the truth. And in Psalm 86, verse 14 to 17, it says the following. It says, God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intend to kill me. They don't let you guide them. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your female servant. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped and have comforted me. 
David's being attacked on all sides. And instead of asking God, God, would you rain down fire and destroy my enemies? He stops. And in verses 15 to 16, he says the words, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. How many of us in our times of greatest trial and confusion stop and submit ourselves to God? In the famous words of 1980s pop sensation Vanilla Ice, he chooses this moment to stop, collaborate, and listen. Yeah, I know that's terrible. Um, But he comes before God, he stops looking at the enemy, and he asks for God's guidance. And he recognizes that God has been deeply merciful to him. Essentially, what David's doing here is he submits himself to his God. David recognizes in in this moment, in the midst of his trial, that he may be at fault. This doesn't mean we're always at fault when things go pear-shaped, when things go wrong. But sometimes in our moments of distress, one of the best things we can do is to come to God and ask the question, God, is any of this mess of my own making? In David's case, do these men want to kill me for a good reason? Coming before God and being teachable in our difficult seasons, in essence, collaborating with God, can lead to some of the most incredible growth experiences. Why? Because we're no longer trying to introspect our own way out of our stinking thinking, but we are subjecting our hearts and our minds to a greater truth, to His truth. And we are willing to take his loving reprove to heart. That's the listen part. By doing this, friends, even in the seasons where we're not responsible for any of what's going on around us, we can hear the Father's loving voice affirming that in us and drowning out the voice of the enemy that comes and wants to accuse and lie to us. I've had seasons where even though I know I'm guiltless in a situation, I'm convinced that my lack or the season of uncertainty I'm going through was my fault somehow. And, and it's only in coming to the feet of Jesus that the truth could be restored to me. I've also had other seasons where the fathers had to come and, and lovingly show me that some of my suffering is no one else's fault but my own either due to sin or bad behavior or, or just bad stewardship. And maybe in this past year, things have happened to you and, and you need the voice of the Father just to come and speak into those seasons and show you what you need to take from the difficult seasons that you've gone through. Will you submit yourselves to Him? Will you receive whatever it is He wants to say to you today? In closing, friends, my prayer really is this, that all of us will learn to wrestle well in 2021, learning from David as we commit to do those three things that he has done so well in the psalm. Firstly, remembering who our God is at all times in the good and the not so good seasons ahead. Secondly, to set our hearts, our worship, and our focus on Him and Him alone, living as undividedly as we possibly can. And thirdly, to submit ourselves to God and invite Him to come and redirect and teach us as He wills to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. 
And we want to dedicate 2021 to you, God. We pray that as we look at this year and as we look at maybe some of the fears we have for this year, some of the bad press it's already gotten, that we can start to just shift our focus, God, off of the fear, the hype, um, just the doom saying, everything that people have spoken over this year, and we can instead look to you, God. And we can do exactly what David did in this psalm, that we can start by saying, who is our God? Our God is gracious and true and powerful and at work, and he is for me. And God, I pray that as we look to this year, we will recognize who you are and that that will be forefront in our thoughts in everything we do. God, we also pray that you will just bring us to a place of deep and and undivided worship, God, a place where we can focus on you and that the other things that we've been giving our worship to will start to fade away, God. We pray that you will also just come and you will come and work in our hearts, Lord. Come and and as we submit ourselves to you, come and reveal truth, God. Maybe there are lies we're carrying with us that have come out of this past year that we need to throw off and you want to come and replace that with your truth. Or maybe, God, there's just something we we need to learn, something that we're, we're just harboring or holding on to that's just setting us up for failure in the year ahead. I pray, God, that that whatever 2021 holds, the success of 2021 isn't going to be contingent on work or employers or external factors or people or, or anything else, God, but that simply our joy, our hope, our peace will be ours in 2021 because of who you are and because we remain rooted in who you are. So, God, we just declare that we love you. We declare that 2021 will be a year in which we experience your favor, your grace, your peace, and your joy. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to take us on this journey. Work in our hearts. Work and help us, Lord, to to enjoy you and enjoy a year of your favor. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.